today, as I'm preparing, that we will uh, be in the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Before we read the word of God here, let us pray. Father, we ask now that uh, your spirit would be active this morning in our hearts, that he would illuminate, illumine the word that we might see and hear. And Lord, as always, show us things we have not seen before, not because they haven't been there, but because we haven't looked. Lord, I pray now for your work to be done here today. Bring you honor and glory and praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Pastor asked me, am I on? I got a green light. No? Anyways, Pastor asked me a number of weeks ago uh, to take this date, if I would, because he was going to be vacationing for a week or so, and he likes to have a full week of vacationing instead of a full week of preparing a message. And he asked me what I had in mind, and I said, I got three messages. And he asked me what they were. And I told him, and don't do the first one. Okay. <laughs> Second one's okay, but no, do the third one. He says, because whenever I preach on that subject, he says, people think I'm yelling at them. <laughs> so I won't yell at you. I hope you can hear me. If I'm too loud, let me know. The book of Revelation is one of those books that's hard to understand sometimes. And yet, I think this is something we need to see so we understand what's going on here. I'm going to give you a little background after we read these five verses, starting in verse 11, chapter 20. Then I saw the great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Books. Remember that. It's plural. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the book. In the books, see, even I forgot it, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. When death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I don't know about you, but I think just reading this, the first time I read it, first time the Holy Spirit took me to this particular spot in Scripture, how sad, how sad God must feel that he's got to judge these people and they're going to be thrown in the lake of fire to be eternally there. How sad is that? Okay, let's understand a little bit about the book of Revelation. The first three chapters, the first two, or the excuse me, the chapters two and three deal with the letters written 
to the churches. Christ came to John in a vision and told him to write these things down. Then in chapter 4, something changes between 3 and 4. There's an intermittent, intermittent period of time here that we don't know what it is, but something has changed. And I believe that the church age is over somewhere in that period of time. That the rapture of the church has come. That God has taken the believers out into the air. He calls them, Jesus calls them with the trump of God and says, come up here. And actually, if we turn to uh, chapter 4 right now, we're going to have to look at a few things there to understand chapter 20. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. I looked at this as being an invitation. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, this is John relaying what he heard in chapter 1, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. I wonder, what's after these things? After the church age and after what goes on in the church age, I believe is what he's talking about. Immediately, he says, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was standing in heaven. And one sitting on the throne. We saw in chapter 20, verse 11, the throne, the great white throne. Here's a picture of a throne. It was standing in heaven, one sitting on the throne, and he was sitting on was like a jasper stone in a sardis in, a spirit, in a appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Now, have you seen the contrast here? In chapter 11, or excuse me, in verse 11 of chapter 20, it was a white throne and there was nothing around him. The heaven and earth had passed away out of sight for a reason. He who was sitting on the throne was like Jasper Stone and a Sardis in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. There's color. There's happiness in this picture of the throne room. Around the throne were 24 elders, or excuse me, 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments, and golden crowns on their head. I struggled with this one. To me, the 24 elders are just that. They're 24 elders, but are they the 12, represent the 12 tribes of Israel? Are, do they represent the church and the 12 apostles? I think there's a possibility that that might be the case. And if that is the case, when we look at their garments, they're white. They have gold crowns on their heads. It looks like maybe they've been through the beam of seat judgment already. It's like, wow. Out of the throne came flashes of lightning, sounds and peals of thunder. Anytime there's this type of activity taking place in heaven, it's because something great is a happening. 
some great event is taking place. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Anybody got an idea what seven lamps of fire represents? Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. It says, which are the seven spirits of God? And before the throne were something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Crystal clear glass at the time that John wrote this was something that was very rare. There was probably only a small amount of glass available. And usually it was cloudy, it was streaked, it had wrinkles in it. It was different. This is crystal clear glass. What do you think a sea of glass would be doing before the throne? See, everybody's thinking about that one. And in the center around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion. The second creature was like a calf or an ox, the calf of an ox. The third creature was like the face of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. Well, when we look at the four things that are mentioned here, the lion could be one of the attributes of God, majesty and power. The calf, faithfulness. The face of a man, weren't we created in the image of God? We have something that no other animal that lives on the earth, no, no other created being that lives on the earth has. Intelligence. And God is a lot more intelligent than we are. The fourth thing here was a flying eagle. Flying eagle says sovereignty to me. God is sovereign, and he goes where he wants. So these four creatures have got these attributes of God. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings. Six wings? What would a creature do with six wings? But We need to understand, John seeing something that he doesn't understand, but he's writing it down. And I think he's doing a very good job of it. But as I thought about six wings, yeah, north, south, east, west, up, down. They fly anywhere they need to go. Six wings are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say. Eyes around and within. What are eyes for? I only got four eyes today. Well, actually you could probably say six because I got bifocals. So I can see up close. I can see distance without these things. But they're all together, so. Eyes all around and within. What are they looking at? Oh, maybe this sea of crystal glass is a portal. Maybe they're watching what's happening on earth. You ever thought about that? Is that a possibility? 
Apparently, these four living creatures, if they've got wings, they've got eyes, lots of eyes, they also are worship leaders. It says here, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures saw, or excuse me, when the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne. When the church is raptured, the Old Saints, the Old Testament Saints, the New Testament Saints, the dead in Christ and the Old Testament Saints rise first. Not only did they rise, they're given incorruptible bodies. Their, their old bodies are taken out of the graves and they're made incorruptible, blended back with their spirits. And we who are alive and taken up are given incorruptible bodies at that point. And then sometime later, what takes place is the Bema Seat of Christ, which is not a judgment as much as it is for rewards. If you're a Christian and you've done what God has asked you to do, you will receive a crown. There are maybe more than one crown that could be received. I have no clue. I once heard a man speak years ago. Earl Gherkin was his name. Randy probably remembers that name. No? You remember the Harrises. Juanita Harris's father. He was quite a student of the book of Revelation. He says there are 12 crowns. Okay. Couldn't argue with him. And he listed them off. I remember learning about that. But they cast the crowns before the throne. That tells me they've been through the Bema Seat and whenever they worship God, they cast their crowns at his feet or before the throne. And then they say, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you recreated, or you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. When we look at these verses, there's 11 verses here, and we compare them to chapter 20, the verses there, starting at verse 11. It says, I saw a great throne and him who sat upon it, a great white throne, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. We need to understand what has taken place. From this point, back in chapter 4, if, if we believe the rapture has happened at this point, what happens on the earth for the next seven years is called tribulation. Now, the restrainer has been removed. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit that lives within you and I as believers. You can imagine what we see today is so much worse than it was 40 years ago. Because I believe the church has 
failed to let the Holy Spirit speak through them. And now, if the rapture were to occur today, who's left? Who's left? The unbelievers. And is the Holy Spirit? He's not in unbelievers, no. Will God still use the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ? It does happen. It's recorded. There are some here that will be believers at the end of the tribulation. Most of them will die for their faith. They'll be beheaded before they'll take the mark of the beast. I don't know about you. I'm glad I'm not going to be in that mess. I don't want to be there. We don't know when the rapture is going to take place. We don't know the date, the hour. But we do know what's going to happen. He talks about the presence of the earth and heaven fled away and no place was found in it. Why do you think that? He did this. I think there's two reasons. One of them we'll explore here is this is like a courtroom. Everything else is off the table. The people that are standing before him are the dead non-believers from the beginning of time through the great tribulation through the thousand year reign of Christ. In fact, you want to see a picture here we'll turn back one chapter in, in chapter 19 oh, actually yes I gotta find the right verse here anyways I know it's there no I turned back 19 I should have went back in chapter 20 Verse 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was given to them. Okay? And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God. This is during the seven-year period, okay, of tribulation. They had not worshipped the beast, or his image, and had not received the mark on their forehead and in their hand or on their hand, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Here he explains a little bit more of this. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were completed. The first part of this he's talking about, this is the first resurrection, he says. The first resurrection started with the rapture of the church. The rapture of the Old Testament saints, the church, and ended after the seven years were over, right here in chapter 4 and 5. Or excuse me, in chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. The rest of the did not come to life until a thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. This part is, Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death, has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So we know that these that were resurrected 
those that died during that seven-year tribulation period will reign with Christ for a thousand years. So now the resurrection, the first part of the res resurrection or the first resurrection is over. Verse 7 says, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations, which are the four corners of the earth, and God and Magog to gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. I'm amazed. Didn't God just, at the end of the tribulation, didn't Christ take these guys out? And yet, Satan was actually was put in the uh, the abyss at this point. The dragon and the, and the false prophet were put in the lake of fire, and yet mankind still falls. A thousand years of being with Christ. Christ is the ruler. And yet, there are some that are going to turn against God. I can't fathom it. So when we look at this judgment throne, this great white throne, those people too are going to be judged. In fact, it says they were burned up with fire, that there was no battle at the end of the thousand years. They gathered around the city of God, city of believers, but he called fire down from heaven and burned them up. It says they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And that's what he's talking about in verse 11 when we go back into the white throne judgment. But God gives them an opportunity to be in his court. We need to understand that. God is a just God. He's a righteous God. I've heard people complain before and talking about these things. and Well, it's just not right. I've heard that. They're correct. It is just. Think about it. They're not right. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. That books with two, with with a, a plural, an S there, it means more than one. They were open. What do you think those books were? Where do you think they came from? Was that from those four creatures in the throne room that we saw in chapter 4? Do you think they recorded everything that was said and done? Where, how else would you ever judge someone by their deeds? It has to be recorded. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books. Plural again. According to their deeds. See, they weren't judged because their name they weren't judged by the book of life because their name didn't show up in there. It's not there. And so man, in his great argument, how many people have you talked to over the years and said, well, I'm a pretty good person. I think 
you know, God's going to, I'm going to be okay. Well, if you haven't accepted Christ, you haven't believed that he died for your sins. It says here, your name won't be in the book of life. And you will be judged. And guess what? There are more things here than we want to understand sometimes. But the sea gave up the dead which were in it, the death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were all judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Deeds. Deeds are what you do. If we were all judged on our deeds here today, and not because we're in the book of life, we'd all be guilty. We'd all be guilty. There's no doubt in my mind. But we've put our hope in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Our hope stands there. When God looks at us, all he sees is Jesus Christ's righteousness. That's why you need to put your hope, you need to put your trust, your belief, in Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility as the church. We don't know how much time we have left. I know it's hard. It's hard speaking to people sometimes, putting them on the spot. I've got a friend who's I've known since I was in seventh grade. We're good friends. He's slowly dying. Hardest People in the world are the ones that we love, we've known for years, hardest ones to talk to. Why? I ask you why. We can see if they don't know Christ, they're going to go before the great white throne judgment. Why do we let that happen? I think we all have to take a look at ourselves and say the time is short if the rapture takes place this afternoon or next week, are you going to have time to tell somebody that you know needs the Lord? Take it now. Take the time now. The time is short. This is the saddest day for God in heaven. There are other sad days that maybe you could come up with. You could say the the day that man fell in the book of Revelation is a sad day. But God had a plan for that. You could say the day that God watched his son die on that cross was a sad day. But God had a plan for that. The great white throne, God had a plan. They didn't listen. That's part of the deeds that they're going to be judged on. They didn't listen. The Holy Spirit, I believe, talks to every person that's ever born and tries to open their hearts and their minds to the truth of God, to the truth of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And if you don't listen, you can't receive the gift. And if we don't speak, are they going to receive the gift? Have you been used by God? Or has God asked you to do something and you said no? It makes me uncomfortable. We were given the Holy Spirit 
in Pentecost to give us knowledge, wisdom, answers. We can answer their question. If we've got the Holy Spirit in us, what is there to be afraid of? Somebody asks you a question you can't answer, he will give it to you. Maybe not right at that second. But chances are he will give it to you. He will give you something you can say so that person can at least have a fair shake at believing. I'm not here to belittle anybody, myself, more than anyone. Talking to me. And in talking to me, I know I'm talking to some of you. Where are we today? You know, we live in our life... We look at this world around us and it's going south quick. And it takes up our time. Satan's got a plan. He's working it. Satan's got a plan. Are we falling into that plan? Are we letting him use us that way? He's the God of this world right now. Satan is. What about the God of the future? Our future. The believer's future. Will we trust him more than we trust the God of this world? That's my question for you today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you now for this time. I thank you, Lord, that we've gathered together. Lord, we've heard. We've seen. We've looked in our Bibles. Lord, help us to apply what we've heard today. Help us to walk in your ways. Help us to be ready to give an answer. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.